to the Divined Comedy, the only Dante podcast you will ever need, ostensibly. My name is Travis Sintel. My name is Yuri Lowenthal, and you are awaiting. Oh! Crossover episode! Crossover! We did it, guys. Crossover. I've never seen up in this bitch. Uh, Who are you guys? Tell us who you are. Oh, I'm Paul Cantrell. I'm David Fountain. Thank you, and Paul cuts. So here's, so, uh, yeah, let's just so launch we, into it. We can just do this for the whole thing. Uh, so uh, listeners of both podcasts, here's what happened here. Um, I, two of my good friends from college, uh, David Fountain and Paul Cantrell, have a podcast called The Divined Comedy where they go canto by canto in uh, Dante's Divine Comedy week by week. Uh, similarly to how we do with Mad Max, Four Minutes at a Time, and we thought... Uh, after much conversation with, amongst Paul and I, that there are a lot of interesting uh, intellectual crossovers and storytelling devices to be discussed betwixt Dante and George Miller. And we thought, time for a crossover episode. Crossover. Doing it. Crossover. This is like, uh, you say crossover episode, I'm immediately thinking uh, like a homicide life on the street. Uh, you, you just won my CSI. heart by saying homicide life on the street. I just oh, want you to know from- that... Anything that happens for the rest of this pod, anything can happen, and I'm, I, I'll still marry you. Oh, man, thank you. I'm, I'm Richard Munch in this? Is that you are, yeah. <laughs> I was, you're Belzer. So, so you're Belzer. the Munch in this, and, and it's, it's like, it's, it, or, yeah, you're, uh, you're Richard Belzer. I'm, you're, Clark, uh, I'm Clark Johnson. I direct a little bit. Right. So, um, so, so this will be, this will be a special victims unit or uh, Law and Order exactly. or something or other. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be Law and Order, Homicide, Life on the Street crossover. That was every Friday night when I was in high school, oh, not maybe. going to parties. I grew up in Baltimore and that was like my show. Do you remember yeah, when, uh, of course it was. Do you remember when like Urkel would show up on like, perfect strangers <laughs> and teach them how to dance? There we go. That's <laughs> okay, the crossover okay, I'm talking about. Okay, remember. That was in the same yeah. universe because <laughs> Harry Winslow was the elevator operator from uh, the, the, Bugle or whatever it was, where, where, Larry, where Larry and Balky were. Wait, wait, this is a good time to mention that that what the Divine Comedy really is about is dated <laughs> 90s references, uh, TV and film-wise. So so well, we've let, really segued nicely into what the real... Let, let, me, let, me, let me just say, all the goodwill you earned with Homicide Life on the Street, he just destroyed by bringing up Urkel in the same... In the same wow. Nailed it. Swander. I am killing it right now. This is um, the freaking frack <laughs> element of what we do. Uh, do you want me to say what we do as far as what the I mean you said what yeah, the podcast please. Say, say what you do ostensibly is um, for those of you uh, dear listeners uh, unfamiliar with the Divine Comedy it's a 13th century or I guess 14th century Italian poem Dante Alighieri wrote it uh, the premise is that he's in love with this woman uh, but she marries somebody else he has to marry somebody else for political reasons she dies young and then his life is just kind of a hot mess He's politically active, but gets exiled. And in the middle of all this, he creates a situation where this woman is in heaven. She sends for Virgil, his hero, guy who wrote the Aeneid, Virgil, big poet, sends for him in hell. Virgil has to go find Dante in the dark wood where where the poem starts out. And Virgil has to basically go through hell and Purgatorio, Mount Purgatory with Dante to get him to Beatrice. It's kind of a summons that he creates for himself. Does he that's, then that's turn the around and go poem. back to where he started? Uh, he well, Virgil does. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a that's like the big difference I think between Mad Max and <laughs> this is like really like the big. <laughs> if difference. there's one difference, yeah. <laughs> no, he he just he goes on through. 
Dante goes on through. Virgil gets like most of the way up Mount Purgatory, and then spoiler, he's not allowed to go any further. He has to go back down to hell. So we're going to talk about that. This is actually the jump off for. I was thinking about. I was listening to your podcast pretty extensively and thinking about it in terms of Dante, and it was actually the jump off point for our podcast because I thought, wow, this, there are a lot of parallels here. What if we just did a podcast exclusively on Dante? And I texted Dave like the same afternoon. So you guys actually kind of inspired us to do what we do. So thank you. Wow, that's very nice to hear. You know, I just realized that whereas I thought that I was pretty familiar with uh, Dante's Inferno, um, what I realized yeah. as as you're as you're when as you're talking is I'm I'm I never have read all of uh, the, the Divine Comedy, but I have read um, Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell's book Inferno. Which is based on Dante's Inferno. Oh, really? Um, but it's but it's more of a sort of a, a sci-fi fantasy take on that. I mean, it's 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 a it's a retelling, but in in, in there's a, a video I, game too, and it's insane. It's like he's fresh off the Crusades. He's buff. He's like a knight, and he's he has to go find Beatrice and rescue her in hell, which is completely inaccurate. But the the animation is badass. There's a video on YouTube. About it. Really? Okay, I'll have to I'll have to yeah. You you look up the book. I'll look up the video game. All right, um, the book good. I remember <laughs> reading many times uh, when I was younger. And I read Dan Brown's Inferno based on Dante's Inferno, <laughs> which is We're a rock-king adventure story. That movie comes out the day that we finish Inferno. Oh, is that uh, true? We, really? Yeah, we got to go watch it. It comes out oh, October 28th, I think. That's, but th that's, that's a big misnomer really about the book is that people think Divine Comedy, and it's like, like, wait, what are you talking about? And I think a lot of people think that it's just Inferno, and... It's yeah. It really has to be taken in all three parts because the whole the whole point is that you have to go to hell to get to heaven, and it ends in heaven, and it's beautiful. Right. Oh well, that's a good jumping off point for a conversation that's, about Mad, uh, Mad, Max. Mad, Mad, Mad Max. Let's let's, well, let's get into yeah. it. Let's do that. Do you want to use that as our first jump off? I mean, I think the in theory the way this this podcast for both of us should go is trying to find points of commonality and teasing them out. And I think Paul's probably the best prepared to lead that conversation. But in terms of the idea, the basic idea of you have to go through hell to get to heaven. Um, I mean, that feels like an obvious place to start, without a doubt. And, yeah, in this, I mean, and in this case, is um, is Max Virgil or is Furiosa Virgil? Oh, this is, I, or neither of them. This is going to be ridiculously funny. I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to jump in real quick and and <clears throat> and explain that um, I don't really like the Divine Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, we really I don't mean, like Mad Max Fury Road either. Well, you probably hate it now, <laughs> but I mean, like, I really like Mad Max. I thought it was awesome, and um, I'm way more stoked to talk about something that's happened in the past year than, um, <laughs> than this, like, this, like, I would be really glad if the effect of this podcast, of, of Paul and I's podcast, is that no one ever read this book again. <laughs> I feel so. like I have, I want to now spend more time talking about your relationship as podcast host than, than I did I think, before. Yeah. Because this is going to be a great, I mean, for David, this is a great reprieve where he gets to podcast about something for an hour or so that he actually gives a shit about. Yeah. Because the, the setup the setup that we do, you mentioned, I mean, you guys do four minutes of Mad Max Road at a time. We do a canto at a time. Um, I guess one, one difference is that, like, you've already seen Fury Road several times in its entirety, whereas we, I mean, I read, I read this whole thing a long time ago. David's never read Past Inferno, so we don't have a whole work we haven't we haven't already experienced the entire thing so like we're, we're we're kind of 
experiencing it in a chronological way, in a gradual way. Right. Well, let me you know speak I mean? to that. Actually, I think it's really interesting because although, yeah, we have we have been able to grasp the work in its entirety, having seen it um, right. a couple times. So Yuri more so than myself. But there is, I would say, we stick really hard to the idea of not reaching past the four minutes that we're in. I think we've yeah, really no, I think you guys are great about it. Yeah. Of just holding on to that because there's something about sequentially building an argument over time and not reaching outside of that argument to, to the larger thing until the end. So, I, you know, I think that we, we try to approach it similarly. Oh, no, that wasn't a criticism oh, at all. Yeah. No, it was just an observation. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read it before, and it's kind of, the, the whole thing is kind of filtered through my memory of, you know, 10 years ago and then 18 years ago, one of the two other times I read it. But I will occasionally hint to David, say like, okay, so this thing's happening now. Heads up! In five cantos, there's gonna we're gonna have to come back to this moment because this other thing's gonna happen. But I, I try to be that's about mm. as specific as I get normally. You know. Mm. Well, all for for the you know for the listeners and and when I say for the listeners, I mean for me. How long <laughs> is it? I know how long four minutes is. How long is a canto? Mm. A canto is usually about 120 lines or so. It's you can. It takes about four minutes to read one. Yeah, that's wow. There <laughs> takes, you go. That's <laughs> well, David, it's yeah. funny because I always I prep, you know, the night before, if not several nights in advance. I'm doing research and all this, and I show up to do the episode, and Dave's like, "Hang on, I, I, I need to read it real quick." Right. And then he'll, right. And he'll just plow through it. You're like, "Okay, yeah, good to go." I've so got like pages and pages of David, notes. David, you're you're the Travis of that podcast, and Paul, <laughs> yeah, you're the Yuri of that podcast. Right. I mean, as as far as the dynamic we have, it's basically like it's like what you guys do in terms of you know we try to pay attention to it when we need to, but. Um, but there's also kind of like, I guess, like an analyzed fish thing where like there's a good cop, bad cop thing where I'm trying desperately to get David into this book. And the whole shtick is that he just doesn't want to read the book. It's right, not really right. a shtick. That, that, was like, <laughs> well, that, was like, that was like Travis not Travis not reading the comic, yeah. uh, the Mad Max oh, yeah. comic forever. Yeah, but, and you can't, you, can't, you can't tell him to do anything. You no. can't tell these guys, they're intractable. He, he's an guys. outdoor cat. <laughs> the, don't try the difference is, is that I really like Mad Max Fury Road, uh, and that seems to be right. a very key. Let's not glaze over that difference yeah. because yeah, sure. it must be hard to do what three hundred episodes of a podcast where you don't like the material, Dave. That's really hard. <laughs> it's a, it's gonna be a, it's a hundred cantos long, so we're locked in for hundred episodes. I, I might have made a, a there might have been an error in judgment on my part when I agreed <laughs> to do it. And, the, and like the part everybody's heard of is the first third of it. So like by the time we get to Purgatorio, it's gonna be like we're just in no man's land, you know. But right. we should go Literally. on record, like, sometimes you have people on the show that don't like Mad Max, sometimes you have people that do like Mad Max. I love Mad Max Fury Road. David, you're... I, yeah, I think it's amazing. So we can just I, fan out for the whole thing. I totally love it. Yeah, I love... I started rewatching it last night. Um, I've watched it, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many times. I've only seen yeah, it. Yeah, I, I love that we won't have to fight about that, Ben. Yeah, we did, that's we, good. Uh, Dave and I on their podcast thought about Force Awakens a lot. We don't have to relitigate, but right. just so you know, you're, <laughs> okay, you're, you're, you're uh, used, used to my uh, re relentless diatribes about yeah, no, something. Uh, Yelling matches are totally welcome. <laughs> well, in this one, we all we're all fanning about the same stuff. So that's true. That's um, true. Well, Paul, uh, do you have any uh, any locked and loaded um, conversation kickoffs? I will tell you the thing that uh, that sparked all of this for me was, uh, and I have I wrote all this out in a kind of prosaic way that I don't really need to get into because I think I was going to send it to you just to see if there was anything to it, and then mm -hmm. you said, "Oh, you should just come on the show, whatever." Uh, this yeah. was, I think this was like early June, I think. This was a while ago. Um, but the idea is that we need to talk about who's Dante and who's Virgil in Mad Max Fury Road, but we also need to talk about Lucifer a little bit. Because mm. I need to give a little bit of background here, so just bear with me. I'll try to be brief. Uh, the idea of how hell got created, and I'm repeating myself, so David's just got to kind of bear me out here. But um, the idea is that, so before, before the world even exists, there's a war in heaven. Lucifer, God's brightest angel, 
decides that uh, he gets hubristic and he convinces the angels to go to war against God. Uh, he gets about a third of them on his side. He kind of dupes them into his service. Uh, doesn't work out at all. God doesn't even get his hands dirty. He gets Archangel Michael, and I think Gabriel is in the mix. He's like commander-in-chief. Uh, they squash the rebellion. A third of the angels get kicked out of heaven. I think in Hebrew it's the same word as star. I think Borges says that. It's like a third of the stars fall from the sky. Milton says they fall for nine days, so they're building up severe like terminal velocity. And as Lucifer approaches Earth... And Dante, this is confusing, and Dante says that all the land in the southern hemisphere was so afraid of him that it fled to the northern hemisphere. The southern hemisphere became all water. Lucifer hits the earth, but he's going so fast he burrows into the earth and creates hell. And he's trapped in the bottom in ice. Whoa. And he's become a reptile at this point. His wings have turned into like <laughs> dragon wings. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, that's, that got weird at the end. But, but I was the, until the reptile part. Like I was totally with you. And then, you know, when all the land <laughs> moved to the other hemisphere. And then, yeah, that's weird. And then Satan turns into a reptile. Yeah. By the way, so, so, that's, so the that's whole like, point... That's like Australia, basically. Yeah, yeah okay. essentially. So, so we're already building comparisons. Good. Yeah. Uh -huh. Good. So quick wrap up. He in, So in falling, he creates hell and he creates the means of punishment. by creating. He creates hell by burrowing into it and it's this conic-shaped thing. Um, but in doing so, the earth that he displaces is, it creates Mount Purgatory. So it also creates the means of purgation of the seven deadly sins to get to heaven. So if you die and you're, you're a repentant sinner, you, you wake up on Mount Purgatory and you, you get to work purging your sins. When you get to the top of Mount Purgatory, this is where it gets interesting. At the very top of Mount Purgatory, it's the Garden of Eden. So the idea is that the earth he displaced, Eden got pushed all the way up to the top of this mountain. So the sense is that once you once you purge all of your sins, you're back where you started, free from original sin from Genesis. I mean, that's let's just uh, for the listeners, this all feels very obvious, but let's just uh, put it out there for everybody. This this feels uh, even more so than I expected a very very uh, direct wrap up of of the plot of Mad Max, and I I do think that there's we've been wrestling around this, Paul and Dave, um, yeah. watching Furiosa's transition and Max's transition. It does very much feel like a purging of sin and a purging of experience to get to somewhere pure. She feels like she has to um, redeem, uh, herself. redeem herself and she apologize for what she's done. Explicitly says redemption, yeah. Yeah, she, she's working for redemption in the course of this journey. She's going somewhere. She's going to the green place to find redemption. And when she gets there, it's not there. And realizes it's, it's, that it's, it's in fact on top of a mountain. Yeah, li literally, it's exactly. back on top of the mountain. And that's, that, was the, that was the thing that I noticed. I think, I mean, pretty early, before the title sequence even showed, he's, when he's trying to escape being branded in the very beginning, and he runs out, and all of a sudden... I actually paused it last night and took a picture of it because you only see it for a second, but he sees this verdant, like, green thing on top of this mountain, and there, I think there are, like, windmills on it or something. I, I couldn't really get a good enough look, and you only see it for a second, but, yeah, the idea that it's this elevated green space and that mm -hmm. she is trying to get to... I don't know. We need to talk about it as well because hell, hell and purgatory are, are kind of necessarily vertical things, and, whereas right. Furiosa's journey is primarily lateral, and I don't want to. I don't want to hog the mic either. That, that's kind of like the basic setup. No, for... no, I like it. And and what that spurs for me is, you know, there's some. I I think we're not best served probably by literal connections uh, amongst the storytelling. Although the more we talk about it, the more I suggest uh, in my head that maybe George Miller had thought through some of these things. But what I'm specifically interested in is that one of the reasons that I think Dante's writing remains effective is that it taps into this sort of. Um, Joseph Campbell-y 
mythic storytelling structure. Yeah, sure. And that what we've discovered um, from watching Mad Max is that there aren't always clear answers to what things mean, but they always tap into mythic veins of storytelling. And they allow you to feel in your gut sometimes a sort of deep um, emotional resonance uh, yeah. just, through, just through tapping into the right symbols and the right, the right storytelling beats. Um, yep. So that, that, I think, is an interesting sort of conversational line to go down, because I think they traffic in the same basic human storytelling needs, which oddly a lot of films don't do as much as they try to do in the eight, 70s and 80s, I feel right. like. Right, yeah. In the I 70s mean, it's, and it's, 80s? Yeah, it's a part of storytelling in general. Can you guys hear us? Are you uh, guys... Hang on one second. We, we might need to... Um... Oh, no, it's, it's fine. I was just... Uh... Oh, David had to take those headphones off for just a second. He's just cool, doing yeah, something, yeah, but I can, okay, I can cool, cool. you guys. Okay. Uh, and David has actually probably more. This is this will this will transition nicely because I said I don't want to talk the whole time just because I'm a guy who's read the whole book. But David's actually much better equipped to talk about Joseph Campbell and that hero's journey uh, than I am. I think. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, well, I mean, we talked about how the, uh, how the Divine Comedy it's it's a, a kind of a commonplace or topos or whatever of this epic literature where it starts in medias race. It starts with the hero at a low point, mm -hmm. but. And Dante in the, in the Dark Wood, I mean, he's basically suicidal at this point. Yeah. And then you eventually meet, when you when you go into hell, you meet the wood of the suicides where the people turn into trees, which is crazy. But to say that he starts at the lowest point at the beginning of the book is kind of a misnomer because he thinks it's as bad as it gets, and then he goes all the way down hell. So, yeah, like, bottoms out. he definitely does kind of a, a Empire Strikes Back moment where, like, it starts with the hero, and then you have to do the hero's descent into darkness or into, into some kind of despair. Well, that's Mad Max to a T. Yeah. He starts at a low point where he has nothing. He's eating lizards, and you think it's really shitty, and then he immediately gets captured, has his head shaved, right. gets beat up, has to escape, doesn't escape. You know what I mean? And then he's strapped to the front of a, of a car and his, gets his blood drained from him. So yeah. it's the same structure uh, for a hero's descent. It starts at a low point and then goes immediately into hell to a lowest point someone could imagine, really, which is being strapped to the front of a moving car, having your blood drained from you into yeah. an asshole. And there are but, some logistical things that I want to ask you guys about. Um, one thing that I really like about, about your guys' podcast is that you, the fact that you will lean into these ideas so hard and, and see, if they, see if they push back, see if there's resistance there. And, and it, it seems to me that every idea you've covered, that you've thought through, you realize, God, Miller, Miller thought of this. He had, a, he had a conversation, whether it was in his own head or with somebody else. Everything, is, it's a fully realized world you're in. And I love the fact that you guys push on those things just to see, uh, see what happens. Yeah, and, and I love that, you know, even if... You know, we could say, yeah, he was thinking of Dante's Inferno at some point or other, or or not. The 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 journey that he puts the the characters through is is through different levels of something. It wouldn't be you know exactly nine levels of of hell or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it does you know track in some ways. First they you know they 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 break from the from the road, and then they have to go through the. Um, the the no but, but even before the before the storm oh wait is the storm fight. the first there's a little fight they have there well because the uh, the the what do you call it the spiky cars well why mm -hmm. am I uh, thinking yeah. you know first it's them the, oh, the buzzards yeah the, the Russians right the buzzards thank the you the Russians um, <laughs> yeah they're the Russians the, the uh, Libyans <laughs> right <exactly. laughs> um, but you know first there's the the layer of that and then you're right they hit the storm. They hit, you know, the guys in the canyon, and they, they have their own, you know, ecosystem and their their own level. And it's each time it's a different thing. And you 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 know you've got the the bullet farmers guys, and you've got the you know the 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 people leaders guys. Oh, that's a really good the, point. I hadn't thought about that. From the different, 
Yeah, they, it is. It is different levels. You know, they get to the green place. They 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 encounter different groups and different challenges. I hadn't thought about that either. Actually, it really is just a series of. And the thing is, trials. They, they escalate visually and danger wise, but it, it really is just a series of interstitial obstacles they have to cover. My my yeah. my, my, my storytelling one of my storytelling guys. Um, oh, John Ammerman, you guys know him yeah. from uh, Emory University. He, he, he told me once, he goes, the plot of every Three Stooges um, episode is the same. They have to get up the stairs, and that's it. <laughs> and then it's, sometimes it's really hard to get up the stairs. And it's just different ways that it's hard to get up the stairs. It's that, the plot of every Three Stooges. And in a way, like that's the plot of Mad Max, too. It's like he has to get from point A to point B, and there's a lot of stairs in the way he's got to go through. Um, but the way that they're segmented um, and tied together really does feel like a series of concentric circles or something. Yeah, with each each with its own feel and its own topography and everything. Have you guys talked about <laughs> Have you guys talked about Mad Max in relation or in comparison to the Warriors? We haven't. No, but, but we should. But as soon as you said that, I went, "Yes." Yeah, that right. is the individual exactly, groups yeah. are so yeah, the Warriors mean they're like everyone travels from different from their gangs locations in New York. They mm -hmm. all gather together. Yeah. Yep. The warriors are blamed for the murder of Cyrus. Warriors. <laughs> and then they, they travel oh, back. Man. There's like the Gnosis like trying to get back home. And then they just they find these like very well-defined groups that they have to fight. They have to like get through. Yeah. Like the baseball no, you, you nailed it. The, uh, it it right. had to have been mentioned in the, in the creative process with that. Yeah. Baseball Furies, you know, a lot of these groups, which, you know, in re reviewing the movie um, in, in, in recent years... Um, I, I wish I could still be as afraid of them as I was the first time. <laughs> um, that, that doesn't, that doesn't always hold up, but Ro it, but it always does. don't scare you, Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I haven't um, seen, uh, I haven't seen the movie in ages, but you just reminded me of, uh, speaking of the Nostos thing with, um, Odysseus. So we just met, we just met Ulysses, uh, or Odysseus, whatever you want to call him. Dante calls him Ulysses cause he's, uh, Italian. Um, but the, the idea of Furiosa as... Because I think she's definitely she's definitely Dante and Max is Virgil. I think if we're gonna go down that with that paradigm because he's kind of her guide in a way, and he also leaves at the end. She she's on her own right. journey. He's just kind of there to help. I feel like, um, and and when he realizes that he's done his job, he kind of gets the fuck out of there because he has to. Because what's gonna happen to them when they get leveled up to uh, to wherever. Uh, Corpus Colossuses or whatever at the very end of the movie. Like, what happens right. five minutes after the movie ends, you know? Is it a happy right. ending? I don't think... It, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be a whole shit show, I, I would yeah, imagine. it's not going to end well. And you've said before in previous episodes, you know, Max Max has been in this movie before, literally. I mean, he knows he knows how the movie ends. He's going to get out of there before, before everything hits the fan. But we also need to talk about Furiosa in terms of centripetal versus centrifugal myths. Like, for example, best, best example I can think of is Aeneas versus Odysseus. So Trojan War happens, Troy gets sacked hard, Odysseus is trying to get back home. Aeneas doesn't have a home anymore, he has to go centrifugally out to form a new home. So this is where it gets a little bit a little bit dicey, uh, or nuanced, I guess, depending on your reading of it. She is striking out, she, has to, she says, we're heading east, that's all she says. And you find out later that she's trying to, she's also trying to return somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, and then she finds out that it's not there. So it's, it, at a glance in the beginning of the movie, it, it, she looks like an Aeneas figure. She has nowhere to go. She's fleeing. She's running out, trying to find a new home someplace else. Then you find out that she's trying to, she's actually trying to get home, that she's been away this whole time, trying to get back to the green place. 
then Green Place isn't even there anymore. And all of a sudden, it's this boomerang effect where you realize, okay, now we have to go back. Jack. Right. We got to, yeah, it's you like know, the pack, Jack. You know what's really interesting about that, man? It is, this is a new thought for me too, R.E. Mad Max, is that it's rare to have a film where I don't know as an audience member what I'm rooting for for the main character. Yeah, like that's I true. Know for, I know for Furiosa, we want her to get there. She's got a very clear mission. Get these women and herself to the green place, to safety um, and, and you know comfort and security. But we didn't even find out about that until like the second act, right? Totally, totally right. right. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes late, but we have some sense of like there's a mission and she's trying to complete a mission. Right. For, for Max, even if he finds that green place with him, that won't make him happy. We know that. So the titular character of the film, we never know what to root for for him. Like, we don't have a clear direction. Right, because, yeah, the only thing he sort of gives us to, the only hat to, you know, place to, to hang our hat in that respect is survival. Like, all we want him to do is survive. I mean, that's all he and really gives us. what a shitty goal. And that's all, it's for horrible. A film. But, but, right. but, wait, but wait, I mean, do, do, you, do you not think that some sort of sense of home would, I mean, like... In the beginning but what of the movie, does that look see, like for him, though? You see like, the you know flashbacks I mean? of like his previous life. Yeah, right. but, but but I guess I guess uh, no, that's that's fair. But I don't know what that looks like for him. Like, He's... and I, I don't believe even watching the film that if he got to the green place with these people and was offered a home, that he would take yeah, it. Yeah, okay. And in fact, at the end, he doesn't take it. He's a true wandering like... hero. So he 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 is right. an Aeneas figure for sure. He has nowhere to go. And but doesn't want it also. No, he doesn't like, want it. Yeah, he doesn't it's want... a weird structural narrative for a protagonist. I mean, arguable, arguable, arguable protagonist. He's, he's, yeah, yeah, he's the red herring protagonist, right? I mean, you think That's it's right. a movie right. called yeah. Mad Max with, I mean, with a big movie star playing Mad Max. He's been the star of every other movie. Um, but yeah, Furious is kind of like, he's an Aeneas figure. He's a wandering hero. She's the hero with a quest, if we're getting into Joseph Campbell talk. But she's, mm -hmm. she's the questing hero masquerading as the wandering hero because for the first third of the movie, we have no idea what's even happening. We just know that she's got to get away and he's got to get away. He's just trying to get... These are the people that are going to get him, deliver him from, from bondage, basically, because he's, he's going to be a slave if, if they ever catch him. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we haven't even really uh, touched on, I'm sure it was you know, coming up eventually, that, that Nux, you know, his journey in this is the... Oh, I love Nux. The, 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 yeah, I, I know. It, it Nux is everybody's favorite character because yeah. he's got, he's got that journey from you know the, the clear journey, the clear change of character from, uh, you know, religious uh, zealot to uh, you know, free thinking uh, man, you know, or religious war, you know, seeking uh, zealot to uh, love and peace seeking, you know, finding some peace, you know, guy. Um, which is which is exciting, you know. And it's funny now that we talk about in in terms of uh, of Dante, and we're we're throwing a lot around a lot of you know Italian and Latin based words. So much of the language in and the 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 nomenclature in Fury Road is from that. I know I know we've got a lot of sort of uh, Norse Viking yeah, uh, Mahalo, mythology yeah. to go through, but but everybody's an imperator. You know, Nux is a Latin word. You know, the word for for nut or seed. Um, oh, I and, didn't know that. Yeah, I was thinking of Fur Nox Furiosa. Furiosa is also, I mean, that's uh, yeah. the, the, Fur the Furies and the, you know, it's Corpus all Colossus, of a sudden it's yeah. kind of clear in a way that, yeah, that I didn't see before. Yeah, that's true for sure. I think, I mean, it's also, it's a nice borrowing, it's a nice kind of hodgepodge of different, uh, different mythological backgrounds for sure. But um, Nux definitely has the most clearly defined character arc, I would say. I mean, you could say Max, you know, mm. he softens up a little bit or like he tells her his name because he wants to, he wants to kind of have an identity on, on some level or to be able to trust somebody with that. But 
Whereas Furiosa just wants, she wants what she wants from beginning to end, more or less. Um, right. But I don't know. I don't know where, I don't know where Nux would fall in that paradigm. Dave, what do you think? D here's a question for you guys um, as the experts on Dante. I'll, I'll direct this towards Dave. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> is there a major uh, emotional shift or arc that, that uh, Dante goes through in the process of the, the Divine Comedy? Hmm. Well, it's not, it's not a gotcha question. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. I mean, so it's, it's tough for me to answer that because I've only read the first, um, you know, I've, the first part of the of the book. I've only really read Inferno. Um, I mean, I would say no, just because I I don't I hate it. <laughs> um, but I mean, you see him changing. You see him becoming more brave at times and being able to handle the situation that he has been thrown into. Um, sure. I would assume that there's going to be some sort of character growth for him. I mean, I, I don't know. For me... Is that true, Paul? <laughs> well, it's, it, it's tricky here because it's autobiographical, so we always have to distinguish between Dante the Poet and Dante the Pilgrim. So, like, I, I, and Dave is great at reminding me. I'll say, like, oh, look, Virgil just gave him a big hug and called him son. He's like, no, Dante wrote Virgil. He, like, Virgil's been long dead. Dante, yeah, the yeah, poet, he, wrote made made his hero hug him in this moment. Yeah, I don't. He's I the don't author. Really, you know? I I don't really <laughs> care about the distinction between the poet and the character in the book. Um, to me, like it, I still feel like it. The a lot of this book was just written as like a like a like my neighbor borrowed my thing and, and like he didn't give it back. So fuck him. <laughs> I'm gonna like write this book about how he's in hell. Like, it just feels like a very spiteful, resentful... Oh, totally. He's like a very small, petty man. Dante Poet. Dante, oh, yeah. Dante Dante Poet. If we're, if we're distinguishing, yeah. He's a small, petty asshole. So. It's wish fulfillment. Wish fulfillment. It is all wish fulfillment, yeah. Writing. But yeah. with... One thing, when I first saw Fury Road, the, like, the things that hit me were, like, on leaving the theater were, like, like, I need a tetanus shot now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I was really... <laughs> the the transition the way that he that the colors are used in that movie mm -hmm. was just absolutely incredible because you've got the, like this um the place where they start is like you know like rock and brown and then they hit the storm which and, like everything is red for like 40 minutes and then they're going toward the green place like to me the use of color kind of feels like the transition between levels of hell and there's mm -hmm. the blue, there's the blue sequence where it's kind of like uh, mm -hmm. dusk or what? My favorite. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like when the, they're stuck like in the, the mud. The dusky midnight. Yeah, it's like yeah, the yeah. it's like the the swamps of sadness sequence in the well, movie. Well, yeah, the, the the swamps are are almost kind of like your 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 forest because the people totally. have almost turned into trees there. Yeah, you're in, right. In wow. that they're they're the stilt walkers. Yeah, I forgot about that. What's going on with those guys? I mean, just just visually. Well, we it, it, uh, we had we had it explained to us. Those were uh, the rest of the Vivalini. Um, who who stayed behind, but were you know oh, left in a poison place? Yeah, because that because that's the green place, right? I forgot about that because they say, yeah. oh, you you must have passed through it, and you didn't realize. Um, yeah, those are the well, women who stayed behind. You know, you know, in in talking about, I, I love approaching this from this, if only to give me a different eye on something that we've been looking at for so long. Um, it there is so much about high and low and going from low to high in in Fury Road, and it seems like also climbing, you know, out of hell. There's a lot of that. Um, a lot of those kind of visuals throughout the film, even from the beginning when he, he breaks free from the, the, the war boys and, uh, and runs through and is in the water and he's leaping up and he's trying to get, you know, he's, yeah. he's grasping at the sky, you know, for first he sees the sky and then he's, and then, you know, he, he breaks through and it's low to high and 
uh, you know, him coming out of, you know, after the storm, you know, being buried and rising out of that. And, yeah. you know, even, the, you know, the, the polecats giving a different level to what, I mean, you know, I, I could easily just be reaching at stuff like this, but there's a, and the more I think of it, there's a lot of sort of low to high visuals and climbing out of the depths of something. See, I hadn't thought about that because when I was thinking about it, I, I and mean, that's a really good point. And um, I think of it as being almost unremittingly horizontal because so much of it is this chase sequence yeah where mm -hmm. they're just they're just heading i mean we're heading east and that's kind of like the synopsis of the you know the first seven eighths of the movie where they're just they're going east by hook or by crook they gotta they gotta get where they're going and there's another time and then i feel like at the very end they ascend and they get to go up right. to they mm -hmm. get to go up yeah, to right. what what would be the top of mount purgatory in which in in, in dante's world uh, it sounds like a theme park. That's not what I mean. Um, they have <laughs> the a. It, it's, it's, if, you, if, if you read, if you read the Jerry Pornell, Larry Niven, uh, Dante, he thinks as he's going through it, he doesn't believe that he's actually in hell. The the, the protagonist, uh, Dante's character, is a science fiction writer who oh, has wow. uh, he's done something stupid to impress his fans at a convention and died and has, is is in hell. But he thinks he he won't allow himself to believe he's in hell because he's a pragmatist. And he thinks that it's some sort of theme, some hell-designed theme park. That's so funny. I think there's a, yeah. there's a thing that um, David and I really need to watch. Uh, it's uh, oh, I always is it Dylan McDermott? I forget who it is. It's um, or the other guy. Dermot uh, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or and uh, and oh, it's, Rooney. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. him. Anyway, there, there's a great there's this all-star list of people doing voiceover for this thing where it was uh, Mar Marcus Cirk. Oh, I should know this. Um, Anyway, there's an animated Dante movie that is, it's basically just set in modern day New York, I guess, and it's all done with uh, with paper cutouts, I think, or it's just really, yeah, yeah. It's really would, interesting. I would really pay $100 to see that movie right now, it's the amazing. way you describe yeah, it. I'll, I'll, uh, when this episode airs, I'll put the link really up for it. pays a lot of money for things. <laughs> for, for things that you can rent it on Amazon or something. You can rent it on uh, Vimeo or something for like four bucks, and it looks incredible. And it's yeah, got, like, Martha cool. Plimpton does a uh, lunch voice to it. Ooh. There's a great, there's a, like all-star cast of, like, a who's who in terms of who's doing the voiceover stuff. And it's really smart in terms of how they update it to modern times. Um, but he's the same way. And, he doesn't really realize that he's, he, he doesn't acknowledge that he's there. I think feel like a lot of us, I don't want to get, I don't know, self-helpy or whatever, but I feel like a lot of people are in hell without realizing it. Oh, yeah. If, you're, well, if hell, we're talking about like addiction or, you know, it's, other people. I mean, yeah. the first yeah. step you guys in ever it. thought about that? <laughs> drop <laughs> the Damn, drop that on you. <laughs> this feels like a guy heavy all of a sudden, you guys. I don't know. I, I need to question You want a very special places. episode? No. <laughs> you're going to get a very special episode. God damn it. Uh, yeah, this is no, called, well, you'll need therapy afterwards. Episode. Yeah. Let's walk this back to something, uh, something less heavy. Um, so Adam and Eve get expelled from Eden. Yeah, less heavy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they have man. to go east of Eden. They're going. Yeah, I mean, let's go is somewhere heading... less heavy. The fall of man. Go on. Yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> so, so, uh, so they get expelled. <laughs> they get expelled from Eden, and they have to head west. <laughs> David had to turn away from the microphone. He's like, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so they, should, they get expelled, and where do they go? East of Eden. They have to go east. It's a, it's east kind of, of an anti-heliotropic wow. thing. Like the heliotropic thing is like man is supposed to go west as he gets older. He's, you're kind of you're, yeah, you're the sunset. Yeah, the sunset, and she's going against that. Mm -hmm. And then she realizes when she gets as far east as she can go. Well, no, now you have to kind of course correct and go back. Wow. wow, that's Whoa. good. That's hey, actually really Paul, You know what? You know we're gonna high five you over here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just high fived you yeah, across you the United Paul. States. 
Yeah, there's probably a little delay on that high five. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's our slate. That's our de facto mid-episode right. slate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know no, what that means as far as, I mean, just acknowledging that she's she's going in the direction of the sun Well, right do, well no, I, I, I can uh, unpack that a little bit, I think. Please. If we, if we tease that metaphor, I, I, I think that it's blind optimism and hope that's un, un, um, unjustified for her, that she's this youthful exuberance of just get back to where I was when I was four yeah, years she, old. she's trying to go back in time. She's back literally chasing her youth, exactly. And you can, yeah. as I say, you can never go home, and she... And Can't. she realizes that. And then yeah. when she has that moment of like, oh, I, w what I knew as a child is gone. That was chasing a youth that doesn't exist anymore. She stops, grows the fuck up, and then heads back west to go to her real home. I mean, well, I think no, that, no, she she keeps it. She at first she doesn't. She's like, oh, it's not here anymore. Right, right. I right. guess I should keep heading east. Maybe yeah, I haven't gone right. far enough. She right. needs uh, yeah. she needs right. Max to turn her around, which mm -hmm. is which yeah. is interesting. Mm -hmm. That's With the, the moment hope. where she should decide, and she doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. he follow he follows them, catches up with them, and then points at a map, point pointing to her what has literally been her home for most of her life, and he and he says that what is it? That's your best chance at hope, maybe yeah. redemption. You know, those are the. I mean, there's the, there's there's only one other moment in the movie where those big words are are used. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and well, that's a very good little metaphor there. I hadn't I hadn't thought about it in yeah. those terms. So he's but the you're one. right. It must that must be intentional, just because the directions are so. Um, hammered in that in the script and in the film, we always know where they're. And to be fair, it just makes sense logistically. Head west, head east, head west. Like you can track it from the sun. So I get it on a storytelling mm -hmm. perspective, but also in a metaphor perspective, it feels like in 14 years of developing a script, you don't not talk about that in terms of metaphor. Yeah. It has yeah. to it come probably up came up at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's also. I mean, if you think nine days of falling through heaven was long for Lucifer, I mean, imagine a hundred was it 160 days? They say right of nothing but right. salt. Yeah, I don't buy that they have enough gas for it, but... Yeah, I'm Paul, the same you, way. <laughs> you tapped into a vein here, Paul. you got to be careful. Like, nothing's ever aggravated Yuri more in the history of our friendship than this number. He literally, he gets he gets agitated, his fists clench, and he really, really can't stand it. Hang on, though. Maybe maybe since since they're tapping into Greek mythology and they're tapping into to, you know the Norse stuff, maybe it's also... Oh, I never thought about this. Maybe it's... Like forty days and forty nights yeah, in the, in the Old that. Testament. Maybe it's just like a long fucking a time. A long time. You know? One hundred and sixty yeah, is forty, 40 times four. But if they so had said forty days, if that was at forty, I would have been into it because that just means a long time. And I well, sort of just, we all that, that, that maybe that expression is just morphed. I mean, over time, we don't know what year this is really, right? I mean, so maybe that's just the new expression of saying a, just a really long time, one hundred and sixty days worth. And they're yeah. like, it's just used figuratively. Maybe it I'm just trying to rescue. I'm trying I, to rescue Miller from this. <laughs> Because yeah. I, I agree, that's a long fucking time to drive on that amount of gas. Do you guys think that that's possible? Let's just, hold on, let's just take a second. Do you guys think it's possible <laughs> that they could drive 160 days uh, straight through with those motorcycles and carrying no water? <laughs> oh, so you, well, so you, you just, just, you just well, slid I mean, that in. Sweeten the pot, the, yeah. The water thing, I mean, yeah, the water thing is definitely more damning than the gasoline, because we don't, we don't know. I mean, they could have found some sort of alternative fuel source, maybe? I don't yeah, know. It's it seems gasoline. like gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I think, yeah. I think it's the uh, I think gasoline might be the only game, game in town though, because I don't know if they have. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Oh, gasoline, Travis, you still hate the word gasoline as much as you. I do okay. hate it. It's a pretty yeah, yeah. bad word. Yeah, I, I hate it. I, you know, listen. The more the film goes on, the more I am less bothered by the the mix of high highbrow and lowbrow language. Like I I understand that's the world we live in, where there's a collusion and collision of of different linguistic sort of styles coming together to make a new thing. And yeah. some of those words are gonna suck 
and some of those words are going to be cool. <laughs> um, and so guzzling just happens to bug me from the get-go because it just feels lame. It just feels lame to me. Let me talk to you about... Um... I want to come back to, I, mean, I, I lose all track of time when we're doing these things, so uh, just let me know if we're running short. But... I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. We're good. All right, cool. Um, speaking of words, I want to get to a word that's super cool, but that's confusing to me, mediocre. I love that word. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about mediocre, it. Mediocre, as far as I understand, your understanding of this is, is the worst insult possible, right? Right. Yes. And it's used when Nux says, I got this, Immortan Joe. I'm going to go get her right now. And he jumps onto the truck <laughs> and immediately just fucks up. He f yeah. and he falls off and he said and Morton Joe says mediocre and it's such a burn. Yeah. Sweet burn. But yeah. but earlier oh man, what's his name? Uh Morsov. No, when Morsov when he has that moment where he's shot through the face with an arrow and they're like, Come on man, do the thing, do the thing and then he sprays the chrome and he he goes double bombing, like double spear bombing this uh the buzzard. Yeah. And they go, Mediocre Morsov he just died in the most badass, heroic way possible that they all want to die, but that but they say mediocre more so. Is that right? That, I, it's Yeah, I watched it last night. Huh, I wrote it down. What? Well, then we need to rethink it. Wait, I think, yeah. Because in that case, it seems I, like that's the, the first that I'm hearing that. Yeah. It seems like the, the best thing possible. Is it possible somebody would... And it, it, I can only think that somebody would be saying it sarcastically, but why, this guy, your friend, your fellow no, warboy in arms... it's not a sarcastic moment at all. No. They would uh, not say that, I don't Yeah, think. we'll have to revisit that. We may do a special uh, addendum um, to this episode or next episode while we sort that out. Because wow, I, I, made a, I made an actual Mad Max point. This is you awesome. Made, you made yeah. a thing. You made a thing. Yeah, I did yeah, a thing. I mean, we may have to rethink our conception right. of that word. I, I've always loved it just because I often think that about the world, that I try to tell my little sister and, and my friends that the worst, the best thing you can be is weird. Uh, and the worst thing you can yeah. do is, is nothing. It's and I boring, think that yeah. mediocre is, you know, I even talked about this on our other podcast yesterday, that sometimes I want a film to either be better or worse. I don't care which. Because it's yeah. still good to me if it's better what's, or worse. But if it's just mediocre, it's instantly forgettable, forgettable. and shitty. Just what's commit, the most, yeah. What's the most mediocre film you can think of? Oh, uh... Uh, I just, uh... Hold on. Teen Wolf is the one we just did. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Teen I listened Wolf, to you guys talk about that. Teen, Teen Wolf, Wolf is fucking mediocre, man. It's not good well, you saw a lot of untapped enough. potential there, right? Yeah, there's just a lot of untapped potential. If that movie's better or worse, it's great. It's just kind of like, okay, you kind of did a thing for a little bit. Yeah. And... It's You know what it's like? I'm sorry, go ahead, Yuri. No, I was just going to say, what's the movie with Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts, and they ride on a scooter, and it, like literally that's all I can remember about the film. I remember walking out <laughs> of the film thinking that... Nothing happened yeah. in that film, and I and I yeah. immediately forgot it. Is that the one where Tom Hanks is like learning? He, he goes she's to, like goes to college English or something. Is a second language teacher or something. Or, or he goes to college. I, this I, is the worst. I don't film know. This is in movie oh, history. This, is, this right. sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck was this? Yeah, I see right, exactly. Go. I don't know. Rapid fire, real quick. I'm going to give you three examples of what I think Travis is talking about. Okay. I'm going to talk about the Book of Revelation, where he says. Uh, I would that you had been, uh, because you were lukewarm, I am going to fuck you up right now, because you, I, I would that you had rather been hot or cold, but you were lukewarm, and so yes. you're about to get yours. Yes. Okay, relatable, uh, relatable reference. Yeah. Everyone has read the Book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. You nailed it. Uh, Martin Luther King's letter from the Birmingham jail, Ooh. where he says uh, he's Jesus. he's not as... Uh, <laughs> Uh, recently horribly misquoted by your boy Dabo Sweeney from Clemson oh, or whatever. Yeah, because he's kind of he's kind of heard of who Martin Luther King is, I guess, that one time. Uh, <laughs> right, that, but he... That one time he, at a clam in the, Thanks for the day off every year. <laughs> 
he says in this letter, uh, he's, he has less of a problem with the white supremacists than he does with these just suburban white guys who just the, the white middle class who just are too concerned with their white picket fence to get involved and commit to a stance because they're just afraid of the whole thing. He says, at least the white supremacists, I know where they stand. Mm-hmm. They, they fucking hate me, mm-hmm. but I get that. These guys won't, won't, you know, get off. They're just trying to sit on the fence here in a time when you really can't do that. Mm-hmm. Last example is from The Wire, 40 Degree Day. Remember Stringer Bell? I, I saying you, you guys are giving me a bunch of 40 degree days out here. Like nobody, nobody gives a shit about a 40 degree day. 50, That's cold as hell. Right. When you saying 50, or maybe it's a 50. You think it's 50 degree days? Is people be out barbecuing? 30 degree day. Everybody's talking about how cold it is. 40 degrees. Nobody ever talks about it because it's like right in the middle there. I think. Did yeah. you know that's kind of similar to that? I guess uh, the reason why, like the Weather Channel and other uh, for-profit weather forecasters will rarely ever say there's a 50 percent chance of rain. Really? Or, yeah. Yeah, it makes, mediocre, it because, mediocre. Like, because like, yeah, of course, there's a fifty percent chance of rain. That either means that just means like I have no idea. Right, we were just talking about this the other like day. Sixty percent chance of rain means it's probably gonna rain. For yeah, like it probably won't. We were talking about this the other day in terms of you ask somebody a question and they go, I don't know, maybe. Like, well, I knew, like, I knew, I knew maybe before I asked you. Asked <laughs> yeah, we're, we're back where we started. Right. Yeah. Anything's possible. I gotta now. I'm really wrestling with this idea that we've we've blown this interpretation of mediocre because it feels so intuitively true to me. It just the second I understood it or heard it the way I thought I heard it at least I was like yes that's my experience with the world too that the worst thing you can be is mediocre you must be terrible or you must be brilliant but to yeah, be mediocre commit, is the worst it, yeah. but yeah. now I feel like if we've misheard this early thing which we have to go back I don't and think we have to. we have to go back and see what he's we have to go back and look at that yeah I mean what is you, know, you know the scene thing? I'm talking about right yeah. I mean it's pretty early oh, for on sure. they're, they're fighting off the buzzards like the yeah, first it's, the, it's, the, it's, where the, it's where the film really fucking came alive for me I mean but is this one of those things where I horribly mishear something and people think I'm a racist homophobe or is it something you actually heard? Oh, when she says "fang it." Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was dying laughing when I heard you guys talk about that. God, Dave, do you know what happened? Um, let's not get that into it. I was very embarrassed, and I also thought at one point someone oh, called great. someone else a raghead. It's just fucking. I can't. I can't. I can't get this Aussie slang right, and it's a it, to my eternal chagrin. <laughs> Oh, so good. Because I heard it was like a car crash. I mean, just listening listening to you talk about that, Travis. Because I was like, I know what he's thinking. Because I watched the movie with the subtitles on. That's I watch everything fair. with subtitles okay, on. Okay, wait, hold on. Let's just talk about this for a second then. Because if you so, close your eyes and listen to that, what else could it fucking be if you don't speak Australian? That's, also, wait, who's providing the. What, did you watch like DVD of this? or? I watched the DVD. So yeah. you okay, watched the DVD? So, so, so is that where you came up with this mediocre thing that you're saying that you, that you, mm. you just. Is it was it from the subtitles or from the uh, from listening? It's in the subtitles, and like he clearly says it too. I mean, if you, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to harp on it, but if you listen to it, I I watched everything with actually since I watched The Wire. I'm from Baltimore, but I still had a hard time making up. Well, some maybe of it. maybe uh, maybe Morton Joe's just a dick. Wait, well, I, wait I, a minute. I have a, I have a theory. Go, go, go. Without going back to. Oh it. yeah, maybe he's being sarcastic. Yeah. No, I, I mean I I don't know. Like like he's. This guy like does this badass thing and he's like says mediocre. I mean, no, my, I think I well, I mean, like, in that in that reading, mediocre would be the highest compliment, and they're being sincere when they say it to Morsov when he dies valiantly. But then, and Morton Joe well, would be saying, "Yeah, media, real mediocre, buddy." Well, do, yeah, do they say, like, this do they was your say, shot. Uh, do they say? See, I didn't even know his name was Morsov. Um, do they say leading up to it, mediocre, or do they say it after he's done it? He does it, and then there's a huge. Ex- I'm almost positive I'm remembering this right because I just watched yeah. it last night, literally. He does it, and Max is in the car right next to him. There's a huge explosion scene. You see all this red mm-hmm. debris flying by yeah. Max, and then you hear somebody go, mediocre Morsov. It's M-O-R-S-O-V, Morsov. Okay. Mediocre Morsov. They say, as they're all cheering, 
Interesting. Very confused right in, now. In okay. celebration of because this, I can of this see Kamikaze saying act, it he just as did. he's trying to like with the with the thing in his face and he's trying to get up. I can see them saying it to yes. goad him on, like mediocre, media, you know, yeah. uh, to to get him to do it. But but afterwards, no, no, yeah. huh? It's after. You I really think. wrecked I mean, our I don't heads. Know, we don't have to spend a ton of time. No, on that's this, important. But, um, to us. Yeah, I'd be really curious to hear what you guys say. We've spent probably a total of two hours on the word mediocre in the last. So this is this is a drop in a bucket as far as we're concerned. Well, etymologically, I looked it up in my old school 1960s dictionary. It comes from. Meaty plus ocris in Latin, and it just means neither good, neither good nor very yeah, bad. That, I was wondering if it was some sort of portmanteau that it had just been uh, the meaning had just uh, been kind of mangled. I don't like that between the present day. Yeah, and maybe and, I don't uh, like that. That's if that's the case, I don't like it mm -hmm. as as well. Also, I, mm -hmm. I don't want to blaze past this thing that you said, Paul. That feels relevant to me. Did you say ever since the wire you watch everything with subtitles on? I did indeed. Yes, and I don't want to. I mean, I'm from Baltimore. I, I don't have a problem with the Baltimore accent, the Balmer accent, but that's a terrible Baltimore accent. It sounds like you had a stroke. <laughs> right, you got the Balmer. You, you got like... the Balmer. You got the Balmer <laughs> part right. Hang on, guys. We'll be right back. <laughs> Do you smell burning? I've got toast? it. Right, I've got to take this toast out of the oven. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. Ever since ever since the wire, I mean, I feel like I'm really ruining my street cred here for whatever oh, I have. Yeah, but yeah absolutely. Totally you are. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just steeped in it. I got. I, I just have it in spades. I have despair. Um, Oh wait, I want to tell you guys something about uh, something else that came up because you guys are like not allowed to Google stuff, right? Not, that, not during rules, the show, right? correct? Yeah. Also, we don't so, do that. Um, yeah, right, because we're lazy. We forget. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just forget. Um, the guy who played so in Road Warrior, the guy who uh, is basically Mad Max's slave, and then um, he's the pilot, right? right? Uh -huh. the, the auto gyro pilot, yeah. or whatever, and then he ends up being his buddy at the yeah. end. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of uh, Thunderdome. Mm -hmm. This is what happened. We were talking about this for a while about how they just, they just don't remember each other. Yeah. Like, what the hell is going on here? It's obviously the same actor. He's also a pilot. I looked this up around the time, and it was, the guy's name is Bruce yep. Spence. Uh -huh. Yep, the actor. Yep. And the, the quote, the quote from this is, uh, he was Jebediah the, the pilot uh, in uh, in the Barter Town movie, whatever Thunderdome. He had previously played Gyro Captain in Mad Max Two, uh, Road right. Warrior. The quote is, they were well into the shoot when they offered me a part described as, quote, not the gyro captain, but kind of like the gyro captain, exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> that the quote is goes, a drug-filled email. Said, <laughs> or letter. Isn't that crazy? They said there's some kind of a reflection of him and that they were having difficulty casting the role, so they thought to themselves, why not Bruce? That is insane. That so is confusing. So Just insane. make him the same guy. It's clearly the same fucking character. Exactly. What the fuck They even draw a, a, like, a parallel to to the woman that he leaves with. He's got a kid now. The, and yeah. now he's got a kid who could have obviously been from that that woman. Obviously. Totally. It's so unnecessarily confusing. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Sometimes, <laughs> and that's what drives me crazy. Uh, listen, thank you anyone who tweets at us and, and sort of gives us links. I, I do watch all the ones that you guys send over. But in a way, like the, the, the need to go through the chronology and the characters of some of these things, they're clearly not thought out. Like, that, the thing is, about it is, George Miller doesn't fucking know what movie comes where. He doesn't know. Like, he doesn't think about it that way. He thinks about it as, like, mythic structure storytelling um, and just tales and legends. That's how he thinks about it. He's not like, well, we gotta see this here because then this will tie in. Logistics don't interest him as much, I think, across films. Now, within films, they certainly do. But that story just dramatically indicates to me that that dude doesn't give a shit. Like, that's a crazy yeah. fucking thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd give him a pass, too, because, I mean, hadn't, was it Byron Kenner? Someone yeah. had, someone close to him had just yeah. passed yeah. away scouting locations, right? So I'm sure he was, not to say that he was, he's not accountable at all, but I mean, I'm sure that he was going through his own thing at the time, and maybe little details like that may have um, 
falling the casting issues probably weren't weren't his top priority. Sure, yeah, no, sure. there were there were there were he, he was he was clearly you can have, a lot of different things. You could have not a priority, but also just makes sense. I think that's not a that's not asking too much as an audience. And that decision, let's be honest, doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Am I being rude? It's just weird. I mean, but it was something I've always wanted to... Uh, no, I appreciate that, because that blew no, my head off a little bit. There's been a lot of things to sort of take away from this in terms of, like, things, research we have to do now, or, like, things we have to rewatch. So, um, that's exciting to me. Yeah, right? I mean, listen, the, the subtitle of this podcast is basically Yuri and Travis get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Yuri> and are <laughs> yelled at by the internet. <laughs> so... Here's a question for you. I, I didn't mean to uh, jump on your line. Um, the very first thing that he... I just thought about this last night. When he says... As he's getting captured, he says, I am the one who runs from both the living and the dead. I'm thinking about this in terms of Dante. Mm -hmm. Dante is in, at times literally running from the dead in, in Inferno where he's being chased. Mm -hmm. uh, hunted by scavengers totally happens. I mean, even even the war boys in the chase sequence in the beginning of the movie, they look like infernal ghouls, basically. Yeah. They're, they're pasty it's white. Right. They've got their head shaved. They're, I mean, they, they're, kind of, they're almost like... Uh, uh, what's the guy from Lord of the Rings? Precious. Oh, Gollum. 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 Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of legal. Yeah. He's also running from the dead, as in the sense that he's running from his past. Yeah. Exactly. But Dante. I mean, he says hunted by scavengers, and there's a nice linguistic thing. Haunted, hunted, haunted, haunted by those I could not protect. Which is, I mean, Beatrice is dead. He couldn't do anything to stay, to save her from being dead, and now she's literally asking him to come have like a talking to in heaven. She she needs to. And have we've a kind of yeah. covered this already a little bit, but he basically is living there. He gets captured, taken underground to somewhere there's no sunlight. It's fiery hellhole um, where it's just surrounded yeah. by basically ghosts uh, down there underground. So I think that that's not far Ooh. off, honestly. Here's another mythological time. Is so he afraid of him? He, Matt, Max isn't afraid of shit, bro. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He's resigned. <laughs> that, is that... So it's, that's, I guess that's why when he's in there, he says, I'm afraid of yeah, right. <laughs> right. right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Do you remember well, when Ernie Hudson sure. comes out? It's so fucking red. <laughs> oh, <laughs> classic, classic Mad Max. How long do you think Rick Moranis will last? <laughs> in the wasteland. <laughs> Wait, when he's possessed or normal Rick Moranis? Because when he's the fucking key, oh, no. right, the, the key, key master, when he's the, when he he's the, when he's the he key master, you know that yeah. last. Lewis doesn't stand a chance. Right. No. Lewis is right, yeah. screwed. Old Lewis. Unless um, there's some accounting there to do, unless you know he would, he and the people even <laughs> would, would get along, right? What <laughs> happens to people over for drinks? It's just not fun. So, hey, groovy party, right? <laughs> so Vulcan or Hephaestus in Greek mythology, uh, mm -hmm. the, the 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 guy who makes everybody's armor, basically, um, he's limp, he's lame. So uh, I agree. He's limp, he's lame. He can't be tamed. Hephaestus. He uh, he is his smithy is under a mountain. I think it's called Mount Hephaestus, or I forget what it's called. I'm so embarrassed to be doing it. You're so ashamed of me right now, David. Um, <laughs> he just said, that's Hephaestus. Um, but no, it's underneath the mountain, and it's a smithy. I mean, if you look at that opening scene where they're, um, they're, he's, being, he's being tattooed, he's being branded, literally, he's about to get branded, and that's where he draws the line. He's like, all right, I'm just going to fuck all these guys up. But... I mean, he kind of, I feel like... The organic uh, mechanic is Vulcan. Uh, organic mechanic, exactly. He's, he is the Hephaestus in this thing. Like He's under a mountain. He's, he's just, uh, he's their guy. He's like the, the, the thing that kind of makes everything mm -hmm. work. That's, but I'm also confused about... No, go, 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 sorry, go, go. I'm confused about how they keep... What's going on with that water? Is it a giant well that aquifer. he found? Yeah. That he's tapped. It's, it's, from, it's, the, it's the aquifer in the middle of the desert from beyond Thunderdome. Well... 
Aquaphor yeah, likes this controller. Not that you put on a baby's butt, not Aquaphor, but Aquifer. Yeah, Mary and I disagree about that. What's Aquaphor? Drinking? Drinking. Aquacola. Well, according to the comic book, I can quote because I've not read it. It was some. It was someone else held that stronghold prior to a Morton Joe. A Morton Joe led a basically conquest of the mountain and took over this aquifer um, and to create his kingdom, basically. Okay. So, um, he, he led the peep leader and the you know bullet farmer and all these guys and his men to go take over this mountain. They had to climb it and sort of... Uh, so he's conquered okay. this this land. Also... And speaking of... I'm sorry. No, so yeah, keep, keep, keep on that roll because I'll, I'll come back with this. Um, in terms of conquest, I want to uh, kind of yes and on that one, this improv lingo, Travis. <laughs> yeah, you um, nailed it. <laughs> Uh, I first met Travis in, in an improv troupe. I wasn't in it. I was watching it. Uh, quietly. Uh, so, so they go in terms of in terms of imperial narratives, right? So, like this is basically what happened with with the Roman Empire, isn't it? I mean, they kind of spread themselves too thin. They're off dicking around in England, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh god, we're we're weak at our base. We got to go back and keep the home fires burning, which is exactly what happens in this case. So they realize we can't go back there. Are you crazy? And they realize, oh no, it's they've like pulled the goalies ostensibly. Right. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's home. All these war boys are dead. There's been this huge attrition rate in the day or two or whatever that they've traveled. So yeah, like there's nobody home. We can just go and take over. Yeah, we'll Winterfell is not we'll defended. There you go. Well yeah. put. Yes. Oh yeah. Thanks guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. I, 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 yeah. I forget. Uh, I forget. <laughs> we'll talk about when I say I forget, it's because I, I've already uh, uh, admitted to not having actually read Dante's Inferno. But do that yeah. during the, the the journey? Do they encounter in in the different circles of hell? Do they is there a leader of each one? Is there are there different demons that that reign over those areas? There are there are uh, people who are kind of like workers in mm -hmm. hell who are overseeing the specific tortures. Those are kind of like representatives, right? I mean, yeah. he'll, he'll meet one person who kind of represents the whole like lollipop. Yeah. Well, because because I wonder yeah. if. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if we could uh, draw lines back to, you know, the people leader, the bullet farmer, Morton Joe, you know, the, the leader of the, uh, the, the, oh, the rock riders, the, you know, and all those as, as sort of, I don't know, I don't know, once again, stretching. I don't know if they're, they're not necessarily leaders. Uh, there, is, there is kind of a staff, like in some, in some places it's just like the punishment is just, well, the yeah, punishment is just these centaurs. Yeah, centaur. Awesome. There, there's a place where there's a there's a river of blood. There's a river of blood that you can barely get your head out of, and when you do poke your head out to breathe, a centaur shoots oh, that an arrow. Oh, so shitty. But here's the, the cool thing about uh, in terms of in terms of that sick analysis. <laughs> there aren't really bosses. There aren't really bosses like in a video game. Although I do feel like watching watching Mad Max last night, it does it transitions so well. It's almost like it's it's just so well choreographed, and it does kind of feel like a video yeah. game. It's like okay, the buzzards. That's like Glass Joe or whatever. Yeah. Or like Punch Out. My case is Punch Out. Right. Nineteen eighty five. Sweet spot but for you. It's like okay, you beat them. Okay, now it's time for the next guy. Like you got You got to just keep beating until they finally beat a Morton Joe, and he's the he's the main boss. And it's like you kind of beat the game right. at that point, you know. And Morton Joe is the guy from the Warriors with the bottles. Right. Wait. Wait. And Mort so uh, Morton Joe is, is David play. Patrick Kelly. Is uh. Good pull. Yeah. <laughs> 
good pull. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, or the Mike War Tyson. Boys are the Gramercy Riffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But how do they how do they kill a Morton Joe? They just it's like they rip they his rip, mask they rip off his and jaw. he's just yeah. It's I fucking. It's, it's, it's like his lower jaw comes off. Although it is a little bit unclear. You know, it's as far as one of those. We talk about how how everything is so clear. That is a bit left open to interpretation Which in the I, way that it's presented. I really like that. Yeah. It's well, such it's a big moment. A God. Too. You don't want clarity on that. I, I I do I do think that that's a smart decision. Oh, okay. I think that that it's actually less ambiguous than I would like in a way. I, I like the idea. We haven't gotten to this in, the, in our four minute sequences yet, but I remember from years ago watching the film. But I, I the the ambiguity of killing a deity uh, really appeals to me on a storytelling level. So. Mm -hmm. I don't mind that. Interesting. Yeah, and it's 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 almost like they cut they cut around yeah, it almost. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they, and it's suggested in such a way that the same way in Greek tragedy it's uh, it's more it's more effective if you don't see right. the killing. If it, it all it, all the violence has to happen off stage for practical reasons and for kind of philosophical reasons. Uh, same thing like in in uh was it Diary of Anne Frank where the, the guy comes over with bad news and says <laughs> Wow, that was <laughs> a pull. The guy, the guy comes over with really bad news, and Otto, her dad, he says, "Don't you want to tell the kids to like go upstairs? This is really bad." And he says, "No, I'm t I'm promise you, whatever they imagine uh, will be ten times worse yeah. than whatever the worst thing yeah. you can possibly say." Do same, you guys want to do an episode like, where we compare uh, Anne Frank to Mad Max? Yes. Well, I think we need I think we need a new uh, a new point of comparison. So Matt, like Anne Frank to yeah, Star Wars. no, we can tell do that. Force Awakens. Yeah. Well, I mean, they both they both had a lot of hiding scenes, uh, so that's something we'd start with. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> uh, and they were both tragedies. Both tragedies, Jeez. absolutely, on a tragic scale. Listen, that's gonna go off the rails. Um, we're about an hour in here, so I think I think oh, wow, okay. maybe we uh, put a put a pin in this conversation. Yuri, yeah. how do you feel? Yeah, I I was yeah. uh, I was thrilled by by uh, how many things we came up with. Yeah, Paul, that's some good stuff, man. Good researching. You too, David. David, no. Hey, I don't. No, I, uh, I have a bunch of stuff about Joseph Campbell. I wanted to get yeah. in. We're going to get into that. Well, you said David and has. And we never got to it. Yeah, let's Campbell, take a second on that. And then, like, you yeah. just, like, wait. No, that's actually right. <laughs> oh, I thought you said let's that you didn't want to talk about it. I was like, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, let's take a second on that. That's actually worth. worth. Let's oh, no, it's too late. Guys. Let's get into the game. Don't you sad sack me, David Fountain. He's going to beat the shit out of me after. As soon as this episode is over, Dave's going to kick me. The problem with this podcast is that by the. Or Paul and I's podcast is that at some point I'm definitely going to murder him and we will be recording. So, like, I can't pretend yeah, like I didn't do great. it. that's great. Well, you don't have to air it, though. You don't have to air it. That's well, up that's to you. Because you'll be the living one my, left. They'll take my computer, yeah, well, <laughs> just delete just, the file. That'll be, that'll be your punishment, though, because you'll have to complete the maybe podcast we should on your just, own. Maybe we should just invite David and not Paul on to one day to talk about oh, Joseph Campbell. Oh, slam. Slam. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Wow. All right. I deserve that. I didn't mean to talk. I feel I bad know. now. I feel no, like I hogged the all three of us did. Um, right. uh, we started the day. <laughs> yeah, but we listen, one thing we're good at is uh, starting threads and not finishing them. That's kind of what our podcast does. Yeah, we're pretty we good do. at that. We do that. And people out there, uh, I'm going to uh, shout out to our own. We're going to plug our own podcast. Uh, if, if you're wondering, do I want to read the Divine Comedy? You should just know that most of what we do is like what we just did here where we just talked about <laughs> this. Yeah. Right. And... Dante is and kind of an afterthought. I just usually kind of, it's very similar in that I just sit in <laughs> silence, like glaring at Paul, just like, "What have you done to me?" Just give. I have you a future me Just giving me enough rope uh, to hang myself. Yeah. Dave and Paul's listeners, uh, we talk about Mad Max. Yeah. Our shows yeah. are. 
Yeah, and you guys are pretty good about keeping it they're on topic. Good. Yeah, they're really good. They're responsible podcasters. Hey, don't yeah. you guys think it was so sick when that guy was playing guitar? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> super dope. <laughs> you know, that doof warrior? You, you, you know what? Classic <laughs> Joseph Campbell. Yeah, that's right. He's got. A, he's wearing a separate face. <laughs> yeah, he's that's wearing part a separate face. Journey. You guys, he's oh. got. A, he's got a mask on. Oh shit! So there fuck you, you guys. Nailed it. Oh. Yeah. Man, there's nice. so much left to unpack. We'll have to do it another time. Uh, all right, you guys want to do your out, and then we'll do our out, and we'll uh, get out of here. Then we get out. Yeah. Yeah, then we get out of here. We're going to throw her away. Uh, I am uh, Paul Cantrell. I'm David Fountain. And we'll see you uh, in hell. My name is Yuri Lowenthal. My name is Travis Sintel. And you are awaiting. <laughs>